so glad to see you here, and I'm glad to see me here. I said to Pastor Jason this morning, I wasn't sure you were going to be here. When I was asked to preach, I didn't know what an honor it is behind this pulpit, and what an honor it is to stand behind any pulpit to share the word of the Lord. And for all of you, what an honor it is for you to take your pulpit to Walmart and to the, the car garage, and when you're shopping, and when you're playing, and when you're living your lives, uh, have a pulpit. And don't think that it's just a preacher. Think that it's just the preacher, because you are part of that. Uh, you may be seated. I always have, feel such power uh, when I say that word. You may be seated, and then everybody takes their seats. And I, I want to make you a promise today. I will not make you change change views today. Because the last time I did, uh, everybody that's been talking to me about that message uh, says to me, you may change our seats. You made us change our seats. And I'll say, well, what was the message about? And they'll say, we don't remember. So I hope today, if I don't make you change seats, you'll come from remembering God's words. Uh, when I left the house, uh, Susan said to me, go get them. And I said, honey, do you mean go get them or go get him? And for those of you who don't watch the president's speeches, you, you don't know what that means. But I wanted to say to you today, before the message is over, it's over, I want to be to you, go get them. Go get them for, for Jesus. Uh, I want to ask today, have you ever planned a special vacation? You did planning and saving, preparation. But the trip turned out to be so long, you wondered if you'd ever get, get there. And probably times during that, during that, anybody ever done this? And you thought, what were we thinking? And uh, the, the adult said, will we ever get there? And, and the kids said, how much longer? How much longer shall we get there? Uh, I never thought I would ever quote an ESPN announcer on, in a message. How many of you are sports fans? Any kind of sports fan? He could go all the way. Chris Herman spoke that. I hit him at a Cleveland Indian once. It wasn't that big a deal to me, but I love that saying. He could go all the way, and I don't usually title my message, but here in the New Hope, they always ask, what would you title this if you titled it? And so now I'm starting to put titles on the messages. And when we're going to start today from one of my favorite stories of Scripture, 2 Kings 5, 1 to 16. Now, uh, for years, some of you may know that for many years, about 15 years, I used to travel to Mardi Gras to join a witch team. And, it, and part of that, the desire to do that was when I was lost in the world, that's where I went to party when I, when I was in the military. So to go back there as, as a Christian, as someone who loved the Lord, I could not believe how evil it was, how terrible it was. And I'll hear people say, oh man, we're going to try to go to Mardi Gras this year. And I'm saying, don't go to Mardi Gras. Horrible there. there. It's a mess. Uh, but we would, we would go for all those years. And I remember one day I was trying to give a track, a, a gospel track, 
uh, to a guy who had a Journey shirt on, the rock band Journey. And the guys, the people there were so used to Christians handing out tracks, he re refused it. And I said, hey man, man, even Journey says to not, not stop giving. And the guys stopped and took the track. And all I could think was, oh God, let him read that track. I still remember my, my favorite one that we, we would put over was a track that uh, one day I, I was walking along and it was on the ground. People were stepping on it, but it was the most powerful track I ever saw. Christian track. It said, what has God ever done for me? And there were no words. You opened it up and it had Jesus hanging on, on the cross. And people were walking along, stepping on it. And all I could think was, oh God, don't even know, know what they're doing. 2 Kings 5, 1 to 16. Would you read it with me? Here, a man named Naaman, he's a Syrian, and this is going to throw some confusion your way today. He was captive of the host of the king of Syria. A great man, the eyes of his master, honorable, because by the Lord had given deliverance to Syria. Make note of that, because I can't answer this question. It was the Lord who gave deliverance to Syria, and Syria was the enemy. Syria, the Syrians were an ungodly people. The Lord had given them deliverance through Naaman, and we understand that all the authority and all those in leadership, Putin, and all the leaders of the world have been placed there by God. And we might be down on our knees and on our faces in prayer saying, Why, Lord? Why? God says, it's not time for you to understand, but I know. I know. I know what I'm doing. And sometimes in your own life, you're down on your, your face and saying, Why, Lord? Why? And then the Lord is saying, listen, if you will just trust me, I know. I understand. I understand pain, Dana. I understand it. He says it to us. He says, I felt it. I have felt your pain. I have felt your frustration. And, he, and this morning, as we get Naaman, was also a mighty man of valor. He was brave in battle. But he was a leper. Keep going. And the Syrians had gone up by companies and brought away captive out of the land of Israel a little maid, and she waited on Naaman's wife. Now make note of this. This young girl has been taken captive because the Syrians were doing raids in Israel constantly, and she was now a slave and was put into service to Naaman's wife. Remember that, okay? Go ahead. She said, mistress, what would, would God, my Lord, were with the prophet that is in Samaria, he would recover him of his leprosy. This one is a, is a slave. Why would I want to offer any hope to the man who would come in, led raids in Israel, captured her, taken her back, enslaved her? But she did. How can anybody have that kind of attitude? Explain it to me. In the Old Testament, it said, I have for an eye and a tooth for earth, and, and, and all kinds of things. If it does this to you, you do that to them. But Jesus comes and says, oh, no. 
Oh no, I tell you, if somebody compels you to go a mile, go too. If somebody says, give them your coat, you give them your shirt also. And that was against the law. So, if only my master see the prophet in Israel. Okay. And one went in and told his Lord, saying, This and this said at the maid that of the land of Israel. We're going to keep going. Go. Can we speak? Be criticized. And the king of Syria said, Go to. Go, and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. He departed and took with him ten, ten talents of silver, six thousand pieces of gold, ten changes of raiment. Let me give it to you some terms you might understand. A hundred and fifty years wages. It was seven hundred and fifty pounds of silver. Anybody here bought it into the silver and gold market? Well, they say it's going to go up. You can triple your money. Let's go, let's go get it. There were 6,000 pieces of gold. 150 pounds of gold. And then he throws in 10 changes of room. I imagine it was pretty hot stuff. It was the nicest clothes. I didn't know what to wear this morning. You know, I was a Salvation Army officer for 42 years. I wore a white shirt with a dark tie and a, a, a tunic a jacket. Some of you remember me when I was before. Before. These were fancy clothes. I'd say, oh, don't worry about the clothes. Silver and gold's cool. And as, and he, as they're doing this, he, he brings all that. He says, I'll send a letter and send this with them. Okay, verse 6. He brought the letter to the king of Israel, saying, Now when this letter has come to thee, behold, I have there went Naaman, minds to thee, that you may recover him of his leprosy. And the king loses it. Oh no, he is trying to trick me. He is trying to just make an excuse to come to battle and destroy us. Because they're coming into the land all the time, wrecking the land. And it came past when the king of Israel had read the letter, he tore his clothes. Am I God? To kill and to make alive, that this man sends thee to recover a man of his leprosy? Wherefore, consider, I pray, and see how he seeks a quarrel against me. In verse 8. And it was, and it was so when, when the man of God had heard that the king of Israel had rent his clothes. Elisha heard this. He sent to the king, saying, Why have you rent your clothes? Let him come to me, and he will know that there is a prophet in Israel. God has given Naaman a great reputation, and he has given him riches galore. He has given him everything he needs, and he now even has an Israelite slave to turn the TV channel for him. Everything is, can be done for him. Why have you read your clothes? Let him come. He will know that there's a prophet in Israel. Why did God bless Naaman? Naaman? To bring him to where he would come to know the Lord. Because he has an illness. Everything else is perfect in his life. But this terrible illness, this leprosy that cannot be healed. Death sentence. Verse 9. So he so came with his, his horses and with chariots and stood over the house of Elijah. Verse 10. And Elisha sent a messenger unto him saying, 
Go wash in the Jordans seven times and your flesh will come again to you and you will be clean. Elisha will not even come to the door. He sends his servant to the door. And, as, and, and when he goes to the door, I, I, he tells him, this is what you need to do. Go dunk in the Jordan, verse 11. But Naaman was angry. He was wroth and went away and said, Behold, I thought he will surely come out to me. He owes me respect. Surely come out, stand, and call on the name of the Lord his God. Oh, Jehovah, heal this man. And strike his hand over the place and recover the leper. And some say, use incantations, because that's what he, the Assyrians believed. All these false gods. And so he, he did do any, any of that. He says, go wash Jordan, 7, verse 12. Are not Abana, Farfar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Any of you, you ever seen the Jordan River? There's not much to it, is there? There's, it's not a great river. If you're sending somebody, if you're going to Israel, it's not to see just the Jordan River, river see the place where Jesus was, because Jesus made the Jordan great, right? So in all of this, uh, all our rivers are so much better. I'll wash in them and be clean. So he turned and went away in a rage, verse 13. And, and the servants came near and spoke to him and said, Father, if the prophet had, had been to do some great thing, go fight, 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 you'd have done it. Would you have done it? How much rather than when he says to you, wash him clean, why wouldn't you do it? The servant is wiser than the master in this sense. Next verse, then he went, he went down and dipped himself seven times in the Jordan according to the saying of the man. And his flesh came again to him like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. Let me just say to you this morning that some, to, some of us, when we come in on Sunday morning, it's a hard time to get into worship. Some, some we come in and the band is playing. I walked in only, only like people in the con congregation, they were playing. And as the plan, I was, I was just struggling. And I walked in, in through the door. I come up and told them, you guys should be playing every week when the people come in. Because I want you to know there's like an anointing the moment you walk in the door. But we haven't, we got to get a chance to wake up and get rolling and, and to discuss what, what's happening. And, and, and all the things that happens when, when normal people friends get together. And, uh, and so let me just say that if you walked in the door this morning... Tell me, how would you have felt if you're going through something in your life that, that is just horrible? And when you walked through the door, it immediately was gone. Somebody tell me the shout you would give. Wouldn't something be jumping up and down saying, I'm healed! Wouldn't be somebody be so excited that they'd run up to the altar and say, Oh, God, you did it, and I wasn't even acting. All I was doing was walking in the door. You know, the day I got saved, I was a mess. I came out of the military. I know that you're looking now, and you can't believe that. But I, I was always depressed. It, if, if those of you who know me, you know it takes a lot to wind me up. 
But I was my mom. My mom always worked in that Sunday night. Sunday night this was four houses down from our house. And I had always the Salvation Army, my church. And I still remember that night we were watching. I think mom had on the old Disney shows that they had on every Sunday night years ago. Young people would not know this. And the phone rang. And I went over and I picked up the phone and I said, hello, hello. And the voice on the other end was from the church trying to know. And she said, Les, we are all at the church praying for you. And I had become so restless. I didn't know what was going on in my life. I, I had disappointed everybody in my life. And, and she said, and we're, we're not leaving until you, you come in life right with God. God. And I hung up the phone. I didn't want to say anything to mom. And I ran out the door and I ran down the hill and ran up to the front of the steps and the people were standing there waiting for me with the doors open. And I, I ran to the altar. And that was when I could run. I ran to the altar and I still remember just crying before the Lord and when I was done I got up and they said, Les, how do you feel? And I said, a thousand pound weight has rolled off my shoulders. Now why in the world would I have picked the thousand pound weight back up and put it on and walk back out? But we do it over and over again. So, verse 15. He returns to the man of God. He and all his company. Now they're traveling miles. You, you can imagine the frustration. He says, go back to the Jordan. He passed the Jordan. He's going back, back to the Jordan. Dips down and goes back to the prophet. And he can't, comes and stands before him and he says, behold, now I know there is no God in all the earth but in Israel. There is only one God. I don't care how many history channel specials tell you there are many gods. There's one God, and he's in Israel. Now that I pray, to take a blessing of thy sixteen. Now you understand, you remember, God is trying to get this man named to understand the one God, to know the one God, to experience the one God. But he said, as the Lord lives before whom I stand, says Elisha, he says, I will take none of all those hundreds of silver and hundreds of gold. I won't have any of it. I don't want any of it. The only reward here is to see you changed. And you are going to make a difference in Syria too, buddy. You're going to make a difference there. He urged to take it, but he refused. You and I... Just go all the way. And I won't picture this for just a minute. Haman's at the Jordan. He's, his servant has convinced him to do this. Talk a minute. He talked to me to go into church. Well, I'll go in time. You keep asking me. You keep bugging me. And go to church. So he says, come on. Take a dip. And then he dips once. He says, man, this is stupid. And he dips twice. He goes under. He said, this is ridiculous. He dips the third time. And there's the fourth time, and he's looking down, and there's no change in the fifth time. And the sixth time, he says, I'm done with this. I'm just done. Matter. More time, if I'm to work, we'll go home. And in obedience, he dips one more time, and he comes up, and he looks, and his flesh is brand new. Wouldn't you be shouting? Woo! 
Jordan River, yes! Could go all the way. And he did. And he got the healing. And you study this for yourself. Find out if there was any difference in Syria. But even if there wasn't, there was a difference in one man and one family. Right? Turn with me to 2 Kings 4, 1 to 7. You know, uh, it's kind of tough for me because in the old days, when I was actively ministering and had my own church, I would just read from the scripture all the time. Uh, we, I didn't use all the technology. But you know, then you never had any problems with technology when you didn't use it, right? Uh, 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 1 to 7, verse 1. Now died a certain one of the wives of the prophets unto Elisha. This Elisha must have been quite a representative for, for God. The old, the old type of Christ, deliverer, prophet, cried unto Elisha, saying, Thy servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that the servant did not fear the Lord, that thy servant feared the Lord, and then the creditors have come to take my two sons to be slaves, to be bondsmen. Verse 2. And Elisha said to her, What shall I do for thee? Tell me, what do you have in your house? And she said, Thy maid has not anything in his house except a pot of oil. Verse 3. He said, Go borrow your vessels abroad of all your neighbors. Empty vessels. Borrow, borrow a few. Four. And when thou art come in, you shall shut the door upon thee and upon thy sons, and you shall pour out into all those vessels, and you, you, thou, thou shalt set aside that which is full. Verse 5. And she went from him and shut her upon her and upon her sons, brought the vessels to her, and she pulled out. Verse 6. And it came to pass when the vessels were full that said to her son, Bring me another vessel. They said to her, There's no more vessels. And the, the oil stopped. It just kept pouring. It just kept pouring. And the only reason it, it stopped, there were no more vessels. Now, now, you understand what the vessels represent here, don't you? Is this a stretch to think that the empty vessels are people, are the unsaved? Is this a stretch to look at this and say, if this was you, and you had known the end of the story from the beginning. Wouldn't you have said to the boys when they come in and all these vessels, go get more. Mom, we've gone everywhere. Go further. Go all the way. Get as many vessels as you can. Bring, it all, bring them all. Bring them in. Set them up. Bring more. What if I, what if I, what if I, I would do this to Elisa's guitar. I'll, I'll do it to mine. Oh, I walked too far, didn't I? Sorry. I'm learning that I'm supposed to stay between the speakers. Right? <laughs> Joe, if you're watching, no laughing. So, so wouldn't you have more vessels? Tell me something. If the vessels really representing souls and the oil is being poured in representing the infilling and the Holy Spirit, wouldn't you drive 500 miles to get your oil? 
Wouldn't you do anything to go get your daughter who hasn't talked to you in years? Wouldn't you go get, do you, would you go get your, your ex-man? Would you go get your ex-wife? Do you, do you love people or not? I remember when I would, at a seminary, a guy named Tom Hermes was the director of the National Holiness Association, and he came in and on, was there the whole weekend, and on the Sunday night, he asked us a question. He, well, he made a statement. He didn't, he didn't question. He made a statement. He said, I want you to know something. I want you to think of the person you like least. Do it. Think of the person you like least. He stops. He waits. We're waiting for him to continue. And he looks out and he says, that's how much you love God. That's how much God. And I looked, Danny, my friend, we always had to sit together at the Salvation Army. It's like real military setup. And so I always sat with Danny. I looked over. I said, Danny, that's a lie. I love God. But when I got back to the room that night, I was there and the Lord spoke the truth to my heart. Because Jesus, he made things tougher. He didn't make it easier. He said, love your enemies. Love your enemies. And I thought, oh God, I have so many, many people to look, to look up, to search out, to apologize to. I have so many. And you know, it's impossible to find all of those folks that we've hurt or have hurt, who have hurt us. But we can still forgive. This woman, the only reason the oil stopped was because she had no more containers to fill. In Mark 10 and 47, Bartimaeus cried out for help. He was blind. And the people said to him, Shut it up! Just shut it up! What would you do if you asked for prayer and you come up and you said one of the folks who anoint, would you anoint me? And what are we praying for? Oh, I this happened and I have that happened. Just shut it up! Stop it! And you'd say, what? What kind of a church is this? You won't pray for me? You just keep, you don't want to hear my problems? He cries louder. louder. Jesus, help me! Please, please, please. Please, 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 please. Stop it, stop it. No, I won't stop. I'm going to call to the Lord until he hears me. I'm going to figure out how to draw this to a close. I'm going to do it. I never, never know how to I, I start. I don't stop. You accuse us preachers of that, don't you? Joshua 6, 10 to 16. Somebody say it. He could go. <laughs> Come on, that you He could, could go all the way. Okay, let's go all the way. Joshua 6, 16. I'll speed it up. And Joshua expected the people saying, You shall you shall not shout. You shall not make any noise with your voice. No talking. 
no whisper, no murmuring, no complaining, no noise. I do not know. I can't get to tell. I have to be totally, totally silent the whole seven days or just while they were marching around the city. Pastor, that's for you to find out for me for next week. He commanded the people, no, no noise with your, your mouths. Neither shall any word proceed from your mouth till the day I bid you shout, then you shall shout. I think it was the whole seven days. So the ark of the Lord compassed this going about one. They came into the camp, camp one full time around here. Now you and they marched 40 years in the wilderness because of the disobedience of their parents. They all died, and now it's a whole new generation. But they have marched their whole lives. So marching around the city is nothing. They knew how to march. march. You used to be to run on a marathon and crumble. But you asked the guy who's practiced for two years to run a marathon, they might be able to do it. So the ark compassed the city, went around once, and lodged in the camp. Verse 12. And Joshua rose early in the morning, and the priests took up the ark of the Lord. Verse 13 and 7 preparing seven trumpets, rams, horns, before the ark went on continually. Seven priests, seven trumpets, seven dips in the water. The number seven is pretty special. The number seven is pretty special. Seven days to create the earth. And they blew the trumpets and the ark men before them, but the, the reward came after the, the, uh, the, the people guarding the back, right? Because it's important to have the, your rear guard. Uh, that's what the church, one of the things about the church that always bothered me is that you always have some people who are like do you know what I mean? the, the backstabbers? So we're supposed to be right ahead, and you know, no, in the armor, the reason there was no on the back was we couldn't turn and run. So you and I are supposed to protect each other's backs, but if you're doing this, it's no good. Because now you're looking this way. But the rear guard came after the ark of the Lord. The going on, blowing with the trumpets. Verse 14. No noise from their mouths, but there's the sound of trumpets. And the second day, come to the city once, returned to the camp. They did the sixth day. Verse 15. It came to pass on the seventh day that they rose early of the dawning of the day. Encompassed the city out of the same manner seven times. And on that day, they come Yeah, excuse me. Yeah. Same for seven times. They come to the city. Seven, seven times. They walked around the whole thing seven times. Verse 16. Came to pass the seventh time the priest blew with the trumpet. Joshua shouted to the people, Shout! Now, if this is you and me, just pretend for it that I'm Joshua. You, you've walked around this. You are expecting victory. There's a wall city you cannot take, most powerful the, on the earth at that time. And if I say shout to you, what are you going to do? And you know what? Israel is marching around that city trying to get the walls all down. I said to you, shout! I'm, I'm still not convinced. I'm still not convinced. Because some of you are not sure that this means anything. But there is a point where, you know, one of the great writers in the Salvation Army said that he believed that the main reason for the failure of Salvation Army prayer meetings was the I don't have any problems shouting. I get a little embarrassed by it. I start getting a little sweaty. Shout for the Lord has given you the city. Verse 17. 
And the city is accursed, even it and all, all that are in it, to the Lord. Only the harlot shall lie, because she acted the despise who spied out the city. And, and all that was, that was accomplished in, in this story. To say this, when we were at Jericho, the Jewish God told us that it appeared historically that the walls did not fall in, that the walls did not fall out, but they went straight down. Because the people later on, you can read off, marched straight and got the victory. It was, it was the end of the hand of our God. Aren't some of us saying that about what's happening in Ukraine this day? God, please have your way. Because we don't have all understanding, so I just ask you to have your way. But, but, but you know, what I found out, find out from us, what I realized is God did not call us to get our opinion. He did not call me because he said, listen, I need your opinion, so I'm going to save you for that purpose. No, he called me because he loved me, he saved me because he wanted my sins forgiven, and he wanted me to turn to him. But when it comes to opinion, I, I don't have much one. Because usually, my is wrong. It's when we come to the opinion that we find victory. And finally, I wanted to just touch on something that Pastor Joe preached on just a couple of weeks ago, and that's in 2 Kings 13, 17 to 18. Now, uh, Jason, he's going to correct me if I'm wrong. But Pastor Joe, if you were here a couple weeks ago, you will remember he talked about the arrows of the Lord. Elijah is dying, and he, Elisha says, the arrows of the Lord, and he takes an arrow and shoots it out the window. And you remember Joe, Pastor Joe compared that to shooting off our prayer. Remember that? I get excited when he preaches. Any of you? you? I get so excited when he preaches. And so he says, open the window, shoot the arrows. And he shot, and he said, the arrow of the Lord's deliverance. The arrow of the deliverance from Syria. Oh, Syria again. For you shall smite the Syrians and Aphek, you have consumed them. Verse 18. And he, and he the arrows in them, the arrows that were left, and now this is the way I read this. So you can tell me if I'm wrong. But he smite the ground with the arrows that you have left. So he gets down. Now, understand that I'm teasing you a little bit. When, he, when I'm doing that, it's like I say to you, shout! Ooh! Ooh! Ah! Shout! And the ones will pull them down. Hit the, hit the ground with the arrow. One! Two! Three! This is stupid. I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not dipping in the Jordan anymore. And he says, why? Why'd you stop? One, two, three, four, four five, six, seven. And then Elisha doesn't have to be angry on his deathbed. And he says, Total victory is yours. It's all yours. And some of you have done this all over the past, and you've said, Lord, Lord, forgive my sins, and you went out, and the next day, you started back the same things all over again. 
You did it all over again. And you said, I'll be faithful to you, Lord. And then you, re, you, you refused to give in. You refused to do it. The man who starts to build is sad. And contention is mocked. He began to build. He can't finish it. Jesus at Gethsemane. Think about it now. He's sweating drops of blood for you and me because he knows what's coming. He knows it. And he's sweating drops of blood. He's, I'm not doing this, Father. It's hurt too bad. I didn't mean to wake up the baby. Jesus, they put the cross on his shoulder. And he's carrying it up Golgotha. And he falls down. And he's blooded. And they're spitting on him. And they're kicking him. And he says, I'm not taking this. I'm done. He gets up there, they throw him down, and they take his wrist, and they put in the first nail. And he says, no more. Stop it. But he was thinking of you and me. It was that he did this for There once a, uh, a, a time I'm embarrassed about. Pastor Joe was preaching and I was visiting. And I remember it was such a powerful word. And I never apologized to him. There was a, he clicked something in me. And as he was hearing this, I, I said, Joe, would you like to? to have an example, and it was interrupting him, and I was wrong for doing that, and I felt so bad. But I want to tell you this is the story now. There was an altar call at, at a particular church. They would have altar all the time. And this woman, she had this new baby, and every time the baby, every time there was an altar call, the baby would begin crying, and she'd, get, and she'd leave the congregation. And that happened for years. Until childhood got old enough, enough, you know, eventually they learned to talk. And so this, the altar call was going on. It was a powerful message. The, the, people thought that the woman was under conviction, but she, the baby started crying. And she got up to leave. He said, the baby cried, the little girl cried, Mommy, stitching me. She was Get a baby to cry purposely so she didn't have to come to the altar. She was under such conviction. And I wonder what in you that you're pitching, saying, I can't go up there. I'm not going to go up there. Rebellion or fear, whatever it is. We're saying, oh, Lord, I got to get up there. Man, I want to be like Major Les when he was, before he was a major, when he was young. And he got one phone call and ran down the street and ran up the steps and ran over. Pastor Joe, excuse me, Pastor Jason, I told him I was going to quote today. And the quote is, he brought something to my memory and I asked uh, the guys, the band, if they knew the song and they didn't, didn't know it. And so, so I said, well, I'll do it. I'll do it. And uh, the
quote from Pastor Jason last week was from Isaiah 66, where the Lord says, Heaven is my throne. Earth is my footstool. Where's the house you will be? Heaven is my throne. Earth is my footstool. You're going to build a house for me? David presumed to build a house for the Lord. Tried to. God stopped him, and then Solomon did. But and in all its glory. satisfactory. There's only a place we can prepare, and it's right here. You know, you understand that. It's, it's not about a house. He's not worried about a cathedral, a class, a cathedral, those things. He's, he's for you. He didn't die for a building, except your building. 
Heaven is my throne, and earth is my footstool. Where is the house you will build for me? Whom of you will hear the cry of my heart? seven times you dunk if the Lord tells you to circle it seven times you circle it if the Lord says that he will fill the vegetables get them he will fill them he'll do it and it starts here you know that it starts here because this is the place that you come at New Hope to begin to build that resting place for the Lord to make sure that your temple is right, but it doesn't just stay here. Here, it's in your bedroom and kitchen, and at your your workplace, and at school. Here, O oh Lord, have I prepared a resting place? Jesus, our prayer today is that you would accept the place that we have prepared. That we would so cleanse our hearts and minds and our bodies that we would so want to be holy, holy and, and you that would willingly come. That you would run down to us and take residence in this temple that you built but that we have prepared we love you with all our hearts we ask lord god for a spirit of revival and renewal in us and if we have lost that love if we have if that desire has grown lukewarm or cold lord jesus please send your fire to make us right before you so that you can be pleased abiding with us again. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have a great day.